Hi, this is Chris Finch. I'm lead pastor of City Walk Church. I want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you don't already know, the best way to stay connected with City Walk Church is with our app. Just go to your device's app store and search City Walk Church to find it. Whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus or you're just investigating faith, our hope is that this message will help you take your next step in that journey. If you're in the area, we would love to have you come join us in person. For more information or to plan your visit, check us out at citywalkchurch.com or on social media at WeAreCityWalkCA. This week, and speaking of kids, this week, uh, as many of you are kind of just like our family, getting back into things, uh, a lot of our kids are starting back into school. Some of your kids started back into school the last few days. Some of them are going to be starting back into school uh, over the next few days. And this year, as we all know, things look a lot different. Uh, things look a lot different. School doesn't look the same. And, and I know with that, there's it, it, a lot of our lives that, that brings about some, some new things we're having to learn. If we're honest, that brings about some frustration. And, and, and there's some things that, man, we wish were different. But, man, we just have this new reality of, for most of us, we're homeschooling our kids with the help of, of teachers from their local school. And so it's just a kind of new way to do it over this next few months. But one of the things that is a benefit is your school clothes budget should be way down, which is helpful. I mean, buy a couple extra pair of pajamas, and there you go. There's your school clothes for the year. And so there are some good things. Another thing that's probably helpful is one of the benefits of, of kind of having the kids a little closer is you get to control who influences them. And hopefully you're a good influence on your kids, so you're like, hey, I'm going to be a good influence. And, and you can control a little bit more because they're not going to be uh, at school and around a lot of different people, even though you probably wish they could be. To look on the bright side, they, they're not going to be maybe influenced the same way that they would have been influenced. And so you kind of can, can control that a little bit. And, and here's why that's important, because whether you're 8 or whether you're 80, every single one of us is a natural imitator. And here's what I mean by that. And sometimes we do it without even, without even meaning to, but, but you know this, even with, if we don't mean to, when we're around a certain group of people and we're around that group of people for a long time and we interact with those people a lot, we begin to, without even meaning to, maybe we start talking a little bit more like them or we start kind of liking some of the th same things that maybe the people we hang out with a lot and we without even meaning to we kind of start to fit in and become like the people around us but then there are times where especially as a teenager if you can remember back that there were certain people maybe they were people on tv maybe they were people in music that you desperately wanted to be like and on purpose you tried to be like them. For me, I'm kind of embarrassed to say this, but the, the biggest poster on my wall as a teenager was not a beautiful girl. It was Zach and Slater from Saved by the Bell. And I know you probably just lost some respect for me for that. But, but I can remember as a, as a kind of middle school and moving into high school, I remember, man, Zach Morris was the guy I wanted to be like. It was like, man, I, I tried to dress like Zach, and I tried to 
to do my hair like Zach. And man, so on purpose, man, I was trying to be like Zach. I wish I had the muscles that Slater had back then. But, but those guys on Saved by the Bell, those were the people I wanted to be like. And probably, if you're honest, and I won't make you say yours because it would probably be embarrassing for you, but you probably had a few examples that you followed some some people that you wanted to dress like some people that you talk like your mom's like where'd you start talking like that and then she watched the show that was your favorite show and you're like oh that's where he got it but but you you had some people like that too and, and all of us as kids and that's kind of part of just growing up there's certain people that we follow and that we want to be like but you know this, whether you're somebody who is a person of faith or whether you're somebody that's maybe investigating faith, we all know that examples can be very powerful. If, if our kids and if we are following a good example, if we're following somebody whose example is, is upright and, and good, then that's a great thing. But, but we also, man, there's some examples that we can follow and we know how powerful those are. And that's why we, if you're a parent, you try to make sure your kids are around the right people because examples are powerful. We started a letter called Ephesians about nine weeks ago. This is our ninth week in this letter that a guy by the name of Paul wrote. And Paul was a guy that understood the power of example maybe better than even the people he was writing to. Paul was a guy that early on in his life and in his professional life followed the example of religious, powerful people. Like, like Paul was the guy that if, if he had his kind of, he had his like 10-year, 20-year goal that he was trying to become one of the religious, elite, powerful men of his day. And so he, he did it, and he was good at it. He was following that example. But then as he was in the midst of becoming more powerful and, and getting more clout in this religious circle, he met Jesus, and everything changed for him. Paul went from wanting to, to become a religious, powerful man and, and from following that example to now he, he desperately wanted to know Jesus more, and he wanted his life to look a lot like Jesus. He understood the power of example. And as he's writing, he's writing this letter, sometimes we forget, if you grew up in church, we forget that this was actually a letter that Paul wrote that they probably read in a living room in church during the evening. They had night church, and they probably opened up this letter, and Paul wrote this letter from prison. And he wrote this letter to some people that he loved dearly, that he had spent a lot of time with, and he was kind of like their spiritual mentor, their spiritual father. And as he writes to them, he writes to them and he talks to them about the power of example because these people, who they followed, would determine their destination of their life. And so he, he addresses this. And so if you have your app or it'll be up on the screen, you can open your Bible kind of to the, the last third of this letter. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 5. And here's what Paul says as he's writing this letter to these people that he loved dearly. He says this, in Ephesians 5.1, he says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. He says, therefore, and, and whenever there's a therefore in the Bible, you know that, hey, he's talking about what, based on, he's basically saying, based on what I just said, therefore, be imitators. And the word imitators is the same word for mimic. 
Be, be a mimic, be an imitator of God. And do it not, not because you have to. Don't do it like a, as an employee would for a boss. But you do it as a dear child, as a beloved child. I want you to imitate your father because you're a beloved child. And, and Paul, as he's writing, he's, he's simply arguing that children are like their parents. They follow what they see, and, and that can be encouraging. It can also be very embarrassing at times. And if you've had some of those moments where your kid said something, and you, where did he hear that? And you're like, you know, and you're, don't tell my wife that he heard it from me. Uh, but but you, you know that. You've had some moments where, man, it, you see your kid, and they're following your example, and you're like, good job, that's great. But then there's other times that you, they follow your example, and it's like, ugh. Don't do that part. Like, stay away from that little part of what I do. And if you're a grandparent or a mom, maybe your aunt and an uncle, you've seen this. And kids do this from an early age. They go into mom and dad's closet. They put on, you know, mom and dad's clothes. They put on the big shoes. And they, they, they come on out and they're about to fall over the shoes because they're so much bigger than what they wear. But, but they're trying to look and be like their parents. And it's just, it's just natural. They see their dad do something, they see their mom do something, and they just naturally want to imitate. And, and so as they grow up, and, and if you're, you, you understand this as a grown-up, that whether you like it or not, you're like your parents a little bit. You, you look like them a little bit. You find yourself as an adult, you start to say things, and then you're like, where did that come from? And you're like, I said I would never say that like my dad, and now I'm saying it. Some of the traditions you have, like, where did you learn that? You're like, well, actually, it was my mom and dad. It's just you naturally become like your parents, whether you like it or not. And so what Paul was saying is, hey, because your father, God, he's your heavenly father, I want you to imitate him, which should be natural if you're his child. And, and as Paul was talking about this heavenly father, he's talking about a father that is all-powerful, all-knowing, and all-loving. And he says, imitate. And so you're like, well, I see how I could imitate my earthly father or mother, but how do I imitate an all-knowing, all-powerful, like all How do I do that? And that's what Paul does. He, he basically says, let me draw a picture of your dad. Let me give you a portrait of God the Father, and here's some ways you can imitate him. And he goes on in verse 2, he says this. He says, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And so basically Paul, he's just said, hey, I want you to do what's natural. If you're a child of God, I want you to imitate your dad. I want you to imitate him because you're a beloved child and, and your dad is really loving. He, he talks about how he, he wants them to walk in love just the way God loved them by sending Jesus. And Paul understood this really well because he had experienced this in his own life. Paul had made his whole life about do, do, do for God and earn God's kind of favor. And if I do all the right things, I'm going to earn God's favor. And if I don't do all the right things, God's going to be mad at me. And then Paul experienced what it was like to be loved unconditionally so that whether it's your best day or your worst day, God doesn't love you more or less. He experienced that. And he says, imitate your dad, and your daddy's really loving. In fact, he showed you how loving he was 
because he gave his son Jesus. In Romans 5.8, which Paul also wrote, says this, but God demonstrated his love for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so Paul says, you know what? You got a lot of people in your life and they, they say they love you. But your father, he showed you. He didn't just talk about it. He showed you that he loved you by giving what was most precious to him. His son, Jesus, he gave him for you when you didn't even want it. You were basically telling God, hey, I don't want any of it. You were running from God. You were giving God the finger. You didn't want God. But God loved you so much that he sent his son Jesus to live a perfect sinless life and then die on the cross for your sin and for my sin. He showed you his love. And you should be loving if you're his kid. Because kids are like their parents. And so imitate God, and one of the ways we imitate him is by loving, not just with our words, but with our actions, the way God did. And, and like I said, Paul understood this, and because God is love, his kids should demonstrate love in their lives. At this point, remember, they're reading this letter, probably everybody's feeling warm and fuzzy inside. Oh, God's love, and they're probably, it's, it's an evening, everybody's gotten off of work, and they're, they're at so-and-so's house, and that's how they used to do church, and they're, they're, they're reading this letter from Paul, and oh, God's loving, and everybody's feeling good, but Paul, if you've read any of his writings, whether you grew up in church, or whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, you probably have heard of Paul, and if you know anything about Paul, Paul has no issue with making the conversation awkward quickly. And so at this point in the letter, everybody's feeling warm and fuzzy, and he's just talked about, hey, imitate God who is all loving, and everybody's feeling good. And at this point, they probably said, okay, the children can be dismissed. And Paul goes, like, he just makes it awkward immediately. He doesn't even, like, work his way into the awkwardness. He just goes after it. And so he says this in verse 3, but sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Paul, the warm and fuzzies just went away, man. Now you're poking, dude. Now you're, now you're getting into our lives. And at this point, somebody in the room's feeling awkward because Paul's not just writing these as general statements. He's talking to somebody. And he says, hey, imitate your dad. And, and his, one of the ways that he is is he's loving, so be loving. But then he says, but... Sexual immorality, and, and we get the word, it's the Greek word porneia, which we get pornography from. He says sexual immorality, which if you don't know what that is, is basically all sex outside of God's design for marriage. He says sexual immorality, impurity, or covetousness. So covet, like God, sexual immorality, now you're throwing covet, like how does that work together? Covetousness is basically a jealous longing for what someone else has that you want. And so he says, hey, sexual immorality and impurity and covetousness, don't even let it be named among you. And then in verse 4, he, he, he like gets really stepping on toes, and he says, oh, and by the way, some of you got a mouth on you, so let me talk to you too. He says, let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking. 
which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. So Paul says, hey, sexual immorality and, and covetousness and just the impurity and all that goes with the selfish desire to take from people for yourself. He says, don't let it even be a part of your life. And also, your, your, your mouth, the senseless conversation, these words that you say that cheapen people, that don't build people up, it shouldn't be part of your life. And, and he says it this way, it's out of place. He said, basically, if, if you're God's kid, it's out of place for that to be a normal part of your life. For, for us, praise God, we have sports back on some level. And hopefully, you're, you're getting a chance to keep up with your favorite team. Well, I just, this past week was a real important week for me. I got my fantasy football team set for the, for the new year. And so it's an important thing. Won the Super Bowl last year in one of my leagues. So I'm trying to do well this year. But, but I'm looking forward to football. And here's what you, you, are, you know this. Like around here, if you're from this area, you probably... Uh, are either a Raider fan, and now you're a little bitter at them because they left you, or you're a San Francisco fan. So you're so if you're a San Francisco 49ers fan, like last year was a pretty good year, and you're probably looking forward to this year. And so if you're a San Francisco 49er fan, you probably, like my father-in-law, you've got a hat, you've got some jerseys, and, and he'll pull those out, and he'll start wearing those around town because he's a 49er fan. If my father-in-law was walking around town with a Seahawks hat on and a Seahawks jersey, it just wouldn't make sense because he's a 49er fan, and 49er fans, unless they lose a bet, don't wear Seahawks jerseys. They don't wear Seahawks hats. It does, I mean, that, that just makes sense. If you're a 49er fan, you wear 49er stuff and not Seahawks stuff. It would just be out of place. And basically, that's what Paul's saying. He's saying, hey, if you're a child of God, and you're God's kid, then it, it's just out of place for you to act like you're not God's kid. And so he just kind of, and again, he's not talking generally. He's talking to a group of people that probably have struggles just like we have. And he says, hey, these things shouldn't even be in your life because you're God's kid. And God's kid should look and act like God's kid. And then what Paul does is he gives a warning. And he gives a warning that was really important back then, but I think is hugely relevant to us today. He says this in verse 5. He says, For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetousness, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you, because there was obviously people being deceptive. He says, let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Paul, he's, he's, he's clear. He's like, God hates sin. And you know why? One of the reasons God hates sin, because he loves his kids. And he hates what sin does to his kids. And he wants what's best for his kids. And so he, he hates sin. And, and, and because of the consequences of sin, it's actually why he even gave his son Jesus to pay for it. And, and the scriptures are really clear that when someone 
believes the gospel and and the gospel is that Jesus came to earth died on the cross rose from the grave and offers us a relationship with God when someone believes that the scriptures say they become new on the inside old things pass away and the scriptures say behold all things become new and so Paul understood this and and these people that he was writing to they understood this and And what Paul wasn't saying is that, hey, if you're a follower of Jesus, you never sin. Because we all know better than that. If you have a spouse, like your spouse can tell us all that, yeah, my guy, he's a Christian, he follows Jesus, but he has his moments too. So so Paul wasn't saying that, hey, if you're a follower of Jesus, all of a sudden you're just perfect. But what he's saying is, when you follow Jesus, you become new on the inside. And you, are, you start a process of becoming more like Jesus that will culminate in heaven when you see him when sin will be gone. And so what Paul, Paul is saying, hey, a follower of Jesus is not sinless, but they should sin less. And unfortunately, there was some teaching back then, and there's some teaching today that says, hey... You can just add Jesus to the tool belt. Like, you, you want fire insurance? You don't want to spend eternity in hell? So you, you probably need to pray this little prayer and kind of add Jesus to the tool belt. But, but you can keep living the way you want. You keep doing your life the way you want. And Jesus says, nope, that's not it. Because here's what Jesus said. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. He, I'm the life. I'm what you want. And he says, hey, when I come in, I transform you. I make you new on the inside. I I point you in a different direction. And so if your life, if, if you say, hey, I'm a follower of Jesus, but your life has a pattern of doing things that followers of Jesus don't do, then you might want to check if you're really a follower of Jesus. That's what Paul's saying. He's talking to somebody in the room and I don't know if it was Tommy or Joe or Susie or who was in the room that was starting to believe that, hey, I can just add Jesus to my tool belt. I can live the way I want to, and I can still have Jesus, a relationship with him. And Paul's saying, that's just not the way it is. If you're God's kid, you're going to act like God's kid. And if you don't act like God's kid, maybe you're not really God's kid. Just makes sense. And Paul warned him of this. And then he goes on in verse 7 and he says this. Because again, he's, he started this trying to say, hey, a kid imitates their father, their mother, their parents. And, and one of the ways you're, that your dad, one of the things that characterizes him is he's loving. So you should be loving. But then he goes on and he says this in verse 7. He says, therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness. But now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. He says, hey, you used to be in darkness. Man, all that I just described to you, that was your life. But just like your dad is loving, he's also light. So... Man, if you're his kid, you're going to walk as a child of light. And because you're a child of light, there's some fruit that comes from your life that a child of light would produce. 
Like there's obviously, and we all, we could go around. Matt shared his testimony. Wasn't that good what Matt just did? I felt like I didn't even need to get up after that because that was so, that just ministered to me to the point where I had to like stop listening because I would cry and wouldn't have been able to come up and do this. And so, but Matt was used by God, uh, which I'm really thankful. But Matt shared a little bit of his testimony in that song. In that, and, and he shared how back in the day, he was in darkness and he acted like someone in darkness. His life gave off the fruit of darkness. Probably if we were to go around this room and if you're a follower of Jesus, you could probably share a little bit about how, man, before I was a follower of Jesus, man, my life was characterized by darkness and there was some fruit in my life because I was walking in darkness. And, and if you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, or maybe you're watching online, maybe if you're honest, you'd say, Chris, yeah, there's been some moments in my life where I felt like I'm in the dark, and the, the fruit of my life, it, it's kind of, it fits with that. And Paul's saying, you know what? Now you're a child of light. And just like there's some fruit or some results from darkness, there's also some fruit and some results from light. And if you're a child of light, your life will produce the fruit of light. A few uh, months ago, if you were to walk in our backyard right now, you would see my, my father-in-law, he built us one of these uh, raised bed uh, flower beds. And so we got the, a bunch of soil and we started, my wife talked to some of you guys that are really good at gardening and and so we planted a bunch of stuff. And so if you were to walk into our kind of our side yard, you would see uh, a lot of stuff. Now it's starting to really grow. And, but, but here's what wouldn't surprise you. This would not catch you off guard at all. When you walk up to the tomato plant, guess what is being produced by the tomato plant? Tomatoes. It's, I know it blows your mind. It's crazy. But the tomato plant is producing tomatoes. And this won't blow your mind either. Do you know what the zucchini kind of seeds in the plant, what it's producing? Zucchini. If you were to walk, we actually have an orange tree in the backyard. You know what you're, you can't pick off the orange tree? You can't pick a pear off of it. As much as, if you want a pear, you come to my house, I'll go buy you a pear. But you can't go to the orange tree and pick a pear off. But you can pick an a, a, a orange off. And in fact, if you stay long enough, one of them will fall because they fall all over the place. Uh, but, but because orange trees produce oranges, tomato plants produce tomatoes, zucchini plants produce zucchinis, we all understand that. Children of light, whose father is known because of his light, show fruit of light. So Paul says, your, your dad, he's, he's loving. Your dad, he's light. But then he goes on and he says, your dad is wisdom. He's truth. And he closes his section by saying this in verse 15. He says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. So, so Paul says, look carefully how you walk. Basically, don't sleep, walk through life. Don't walk through life careless. Take, like, look carefully, strategically at how you're walking through life. And then he goes on and he says this in verse 16, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Paul says, 
look carefully at your life. Your dad, he's, he's known for his wisdom and his truth. And so you should walk carefully through life. You shouldn't walk carelessly through because the days are evil and you need to use your time and steward it well because your dad's wise and you should steward your life that way. In verse 17, he says, Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Don't, God basically saying, God's given you a brain. Your dad has given you intellect. Use it. Use it to, to know his will. It's not hidden from you. Use it because your dad's a wise dad. You should use your life with wisdom. Because you don't have unlimited time and the days are evil. And so don't walk through life carelessly, but be very careful how you use your life. And then he closes this section in verse 18. He says, do not get drunk with wine for that is debauchery, but be filled with the spirit. Basically what Paul's saying is if you, if you grew up in, a, in like a, a little Baptist church, this was a verse they used to tell you you shouldn't drink. Even though that's not what it says, but this was the verse. They're like, yep, do you see here what that verse says? It says, don't be drunk with it. Right, we get it. We shouldn't be drunk, but that's not why that verse is in there. What he's talking about is he's not really even focused on the wine part. He's talking about the control part. He's saying, you understand, and maybe there was somebody in the room, you're like, you understand how Jim on Friday night, he's a mess. He's all drunk with wine. Don't be like that. He's controlled by something else. You be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Don't, don't be controlled by something else, but be controlled by the Holy Spirit. And he used wine and drunkenness because that's something people understood. They've seen people or they have been themselves not controllable because of wine or something. And so he says, don't be that way. Be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Because the days are evil. You don't have unlimited time. People walk through life like they have forever. And, and Paul's saying, your dad is wise. Your dad is loving. Your dad is light. Use your life. Steward it well. Take advantage of the moments. Don't walk through life sleepwalking. Don't walk through life blind. Use what God's given you. If you're God's child, he has a unique purpose for your life. The question is, do you really believe that? Like, do you believe, if you're, if you're someone who has believed the gospel and, and Jesus has transformed you, you are God's child and he has a unique purpose for your life. And sometimes you, if you're honest, eh, I don't know if I really believe that, but I'm telling you, he does. He has a unique purpose for your life. And here's what, what I think Paul was trying to say. The best way for you to grab hold of it is by following your dad's example. The best way for you to grab hold and live out the purpose God has for your life is by following your heavenly father's example. Your heavenly father who is loving who is light, who is wisdom, who is grace. And, and we can continue to talk if you will follow his example and you'll become more like your dad. You will reach that purpose that he has for you much better than you could do it on your own. 
But, but for some of us, if we're honest, you may be thinking, you know what? The idea of following a father's example is hard for you to relate to. Because you have done everything you could not to follow the example that you were given by your dad. Some of you, your, your story is, man, if I followed my dad's example, my life would be a train wreck. And for some of you, when we talk about following a father's example, it's hard for you to grab hold of. Because the only example you have isn't a good one. And I think that's why Paul, in the very first part of this letter, if you've been with us and you can, you can podcast these and hear the past messages, for the very first part of the letter, for like the first half of it, he describes God the Father, the Heavenly Father. He, he talks about Him like this. He says He loves unconditionally. He offers a relationship with Him that we didn't have to work for. He adopts us into His family. He equips us with gifts. He provides us a hope in heaven when we die. And, and, and we could go on and on because Paul, before we got into this part of the letter, he, he spent the first half just describing what the heavenly father was like and the gifts and all God had done and made available to us. And so the question that I, I want you to think about as we kind of close is this. And, and this is if you're watching online or whether you're podcasting or maybe you're you're, you're here and, and you're, you're listening in here. Here's a question I want you to think about. How would looking more like God, the perfect father, change your life? How would looking more like love and light and grace and wisdom and truth and peace and joy and unselfishness, how would looking more like your heavenly father change your marriage how would it change your relationships at work how would it change your parenting how would it change how you treat your siblings how you respect people how would it change your life if you and I looked more like our dad our heavenly father and and, and we Paul's described our father many He's love, he's light, he's wisdom. But, but here's what I know is true about all of us. Whether you're a follower of Jesus or maybe you're investigating faith, here's what I know is true about all of us. We become like what we behold. You become like what you behold. You and I become like what we focus on. And we know this. Like if you stare at social media all day, you will look different. Your attitudes will be different. You will think differently. What you behold will affect you. If you hang around a certain group of people, and we all know this, and you spend time with them and you focus on them, you will become like them whether you like it or not. Because you and I become like what we behold. And so here's, here's a shocker. You want to look more like God? Start looking at Him more. 
You, you want to look more like God? You want to look more like your heavenly father? Start looking at him more because you and I become like what we behold. If you and your, if your life right now and if my life right now, if I look in a mirror spiritually and if my life doesn't look like God, it's because I'm not looking at God very much in my life because we become like what we behold. And so we can stop pretending. Like if I want to look like God in his love and his light and his wisdom, I've got to look at him more. And if I'm not willing to look at him more, then let's stop pretending that I'm going to start being like him. Because I become like what I behold. And so the best way, and I've already said this, for you and I to grab hold of God's unique purpose for our life is by following his example, and that example starts with a relationship. And so the question I have for you as we, we close, whether you're watching online or you're here this morning, is do you have a relationship with God? You, you might be here or maybe watching, and man, you're a little skeptical of the, the whole relationship with God because in your mind, the way you were brought up, you were brought up with this God who was kind of like this angry God or this judge God, this God that, that was like a genie that would give you what you needed if you did all the right things and you rubbed the lamp just the right way. And so for you, you're a little skeptical about a relationship with God. But I'm here to tell you based on what Paul said is that God is not like that. And it starts with a relationship with God. It starts with believing that God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross, to take my place and your place. I should have been the one on the cross. You should have been the one on the cross because it was our sin. But he took our place. They put his body in a grave. And three days later, he rose from the grave. And now he says, I'm basically going to give you my goodness for your sin. Let's make a trade. I'll give you my righteousness for your wretchedness. Let's make a trade. And he wants to have a relationship with you. And so do you have a relationship with God? You don't have to be a member of a church. You don't have to be baptized. You don't have to give money to a church. You just have to ask for it. God, I believe that I've sinned. I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sin. He rose from the grave, and I want a relationship with him. Save me. Have you ever done that? Because that's where it starts. You can't imitate somebody. You're not going to imitate this guy if he's not your dad. So do you have a relationship with him? And if you do, and you understand that you will become like what you behold, the question for you and I is, have you made it a priority to spend time getting to know God better? So, so what does that look like practically? What does it look like to spend time with God so that I can become more like him? And honestly, if you don't want to become more like God, like if you don't want to be more loving and you don't want to be more light or you don't want to be more forgiving or less bitter, then honestly, you don't need to even do these things. Like don't worry about it. But if you're here and there's a desire inside of you to be more like your heavenly father, then we have to spend time with him. It might look like you setting aside some time each day to read the Bible. It might look like you setting aside five or ten minutes in your morning or over your lunch break and, and just opening up the Bible and, and reading through some, a few verses every day. It might look like that. 
it might look like you joining a city group. So we're, we're, right now we, have, we don't have any city groups going on. We just ended. We're going to start back our city groups in September, the mid-September. And, and if you're new to City Walk, we have city groups that meet all over our region. And they're groups of 15, 20 adults. And we go over questions about the, the week's message. We encourage each other. We pray for each other. We get to know God better. Some of us know a lot about God in our group. Some of us don't know God at all. You don't have to know a lot about the Bible. It's a great place for you to get to know God better. And for you, maybe that's your step. It's like, hey, when those things open up again, I'm going to take that step and I'm going to join a group because I want to get to know God better. For some of you, now you're going to be like, dude, the, the, stay away from this. But for some, it might be changing one or two songs on your playlist. I ain't asking you to like change everything, but, but maybe there's a couple songs you change on your playlist that make a big deal about God. And you say, hey, when I, when I listen to these songs, man, I, I think about God. I learn more about them because they talk about who God is. I don't know what it is for you, but how are you going to get to know God better? Here's what I know, and I'm going to close with this. People are watching you. They're following your example, and they're following my example. My prayer for myself and for you is that when they do follow our example, that they become more like God. People are watching you. If you're watching online, there's people watching you. And they're following our examples, whether we know it or not. And for some of them, we know. Some of them, we don't know. But my prayer for myself and my prayer for you is that when they follow our example, that they look more like Jesus. They don't look more like us, but they look more like our Heavenly Father. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this letter that Paul wrote. And Lord, I thank you that Paul, he didn't pull any punches. He loved these people enough to just be honest with them. He loved them enough to touch on hard issues because he, he wanted them to follow your example because your example is what's best. We don't follow your example because we have to and you're not twisting our arm to tell us to be like you. Following you is what's best for our life and you love us so much you give us an example to follow. And what's awesome, God, you don't only just give us an example, you actually give us the power, if we're willing to take it, to follow your example. We don't even have to do it alone. And Lord, I pray for my friends, whether they're watching online or whether they're here this morning, that God, that you would do a work in our life. I pray that if, if someone's here or they're watching and they don't have a relationship with you, Lord, I pray that today would be the day that even in this moment, that they would cry out to you in their heart and that they would say, that they would tell you, man, they know that they've sinned, they've disobeyed you, but they believe that Jesus died and rose from the grave. And Lord, I pray they would start a relationship with you. And Lord, for those of us that are already followers of you, but man, we, we're up and down in our life. We're up and down in our walk with you. You're so gracious to us. You're so loving, even on our worst day. Lord, I pray that we would on purpose, do things in our life to get to know you better. 
I pray that there would be some people here this morning, Lord, that would crack open their Bible this week and spend time with you when maybe they haven't done that before. Lord, I pray there'd be some people in here. Lord, I pray a lot of people in here would decide, you know what, when city groups start, I'm going to be a part of one. My family's going to be a part of one because it's such an important opportunity to get to know you better, Lord. Whatever it is in our life that will help us know you more, Lord, I pray that you would prick our hearts and that we would say yes. In Jesus' name, amen.